Kings of the Podcast, episode 125. Dennis Bernstein, we're getting down towards the end of the regular season. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we're at the one-yard line, even though the uh, the coach won't admit it, but uh, great to be back on uh, episode 125 with you, bud. Well, I'm not sure if he didn't admit it as much as he he threw out a terrible analogy, which yes, was he yes, referenced son. Seattle throwing an interception <laughs> on the one-yard line. So no. please, if you're Todd McClellan or I if know. you're the LA Kings players, get it together. You only need two more points in the final two games here. Uh, yeah, I don't know, DB. I, I love the football references, but I, I guess yeah. in a certain way, I, I also miss um, some good Yankees-Red Sox talk from Dean Lombardi. That's true, and, and Todd's been consistent. Every time I ask Todd some other playoffs, he doesn't want to answer it. He doesn't like. I asked him um, if there's a scenario where you can, um, you'll have a playoff spot clinched, but you could still go for second. Would you play players and rest them? He goes, I don't want to answer that question right now. I mean, so he's been totally consistent. At least I broke broke him down with respect to the goaltender. Because I would ask him who's the starter after every game, and he would never. He goes, I'm just decided about the next game. So I said, well, Quick's going to start. This was before. This is the uh, Chicago game. I said, uh, Quick's going to start tonight. Is the conversation over about who's going to start in net? It's not game to game anymore. He goes, well, I'm not going to say that, but you can put your money on quick starting the next game. So it's, uh, but yeah, I couldn't believe it. When he said Seattle, I'm like, that's the one analogy you're going to pull out. How many yeah. times the teams go to the one yard line and push it in? It's okay. I, I'm, I'm very curious to have a Canadian talking about American football when, uh, if you remember last season, he tried using some boxing and some golf analogies. So I'd rather him use the football analogies. We'll get to, we'll get to all of that. Uh, but Dennis, here's the thing. Uh, yeah. Two is the magic number in so many ways right now. There yes. are two games remaining in the regular season. The Kings are two points away from clinching a playoff spot. And basically, we're recording this on Sunday morning. By the time some people listen to this Monday at work, the Kings could have already clinched a playoff yeah. game because or playoff spot, excuse me, because Vegas, uh, if they are defeated by San Jose on Sunday night, in, if they uh, you know give those two points, gift them to the L.A. Kings, yep. the Kings are in the playoffs, and it's a whole new conversation. Yeah, and not only that, they also play in Dallas on um, on Tuesday. So, look, you, you might assume they uh, – but with that team, John, there's so much drama, I can't even assume that they're going to win tonight against San Jose. Uh, but uh, if they do lose in Dallas, which is a very important game for Dallas, that also clinches it. So there's a, there's a scenario, there's a couple of scenarios where before the Kings step on the ice in Seattle on Wednesday, they would have already clinched a playoff spot. Um, we do have some breaking news here, Dennis. Robin Leonard is having surgery, but he's not having surgery. So you can you can figure that one out and parse through. I 
not going to be at practice, but he's not having surgery, but he is having surgery. So is he not having surgery or is he having surgery? Because I'm still confused. I think it's when he's having the surgery. Okay, is that, is that what it is? <laughs> well, John, yes. It's like he doesn't like the way they treated the injury. So he wants to say, I'm shutting it down. I mean, I'm getting surgery. The team goes, well, maybe not. Like right now, can you just play through this? <laughs> We're trying to make the playoffs. We haven't been eliminated. So what? can you imagine guys like Alec Martinez and Mark Stone, the type of guys they are, to go through all this drama it's just unbelievable that to have like so much drama and it's all John, it's all around one guy. That's the one thing he's, it's just, I don't even know if the juice is worth the squeeze. The guy's won 14 yeah. playoffs games in his life. He's been on what four teams. So to have all this controversy around one guy, look, it can't help. And it's probably hurting the team right now. Uh, all I can imagine is Jack Eichel sitting over in the corner and with these media conversations <laughs> going on and him thinking, surgery are we talking about surgery yeah, right, that's, that's right. Like in his best Allen Iverson impression that's all I can that's all I can imagine going on in the Vegas locker room right now it's a it's a train wreck but hey look here's the deal Dennis like you said yeah. the Kings have two games remaining they're going to play Seattle they're going to play Vancouver uh Vancouver is all but sort of eliminated themselves in terms of catching LA yeah. at this point LA needs to pick up two points either on their own or they can receive a gift from uh Vegas they'll qualify for the playoffs <laughs> Back to your point about home ice, there was a point where maybe possibly mathematically it was still possible, but it does appear that the Kings yeah. will not be securing second place. The Kings will most likely no. finish in third. They will play Edmonton in the first round. We're going to get into that in the third period, Dennis, because I wanted to talk about a couple of other things and sort of recap of things. Sure. Uh, get your impressions. So you had a couple of 2-1 games there where the Kings were getting things. They were handling their business. It was a very low-scoring affair. A guy like Alex Edler was obviously, in, at least in my opinion, very important yes. to be back in the lineup. That hard, heavy defenseman who can play those tight games, give them veteran leadership on the defensive side of things, especially with the absence of Drew Doughty. Uh, and then you come into the game against Anaheim, and they pick up a win 4-2. Dennis? You know, I love to say I told you so. And I've been lobbying for quite some time to put 55 mm -hmm. and 34 together. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. exciting to see those guys together. And that was Quentin Byfield's best game of his NHL career. He was the MVP of the game, in my opinion, if you wanted to have one last night against Anaheim. Yeah, because they were effective and they were productive, right? That line was responsible for two goals. That's what you want. That's what you need. That's what he's been trying to figure out with the bottom six. Um, He's got stability, I guess, with uh, Lazat. Brown and, and I follow, but that's the key. If they can chip in some goals like they did last night, and you're right, it was couldn't buff John clearly his best game. I, I don't think you can even argue. Even the game he scored two goals, and that wasn't really a, a, a performance where he was out and effective on the ice when he went on the ice the entire shift, which can only help this team get into the playoffs. What did you, just going back to those last right. couple of games there, I mean, obviously nobody liked the output of the Colorado game. I'm starting to believe this, though, Dennis. I'm starting to believe that it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that the Kings, all the way up through the coaching staff, it's almost like they defer to Colorado. They almost come out and say, yeah, we're not in the same class as Colorado. Yeah. So yeah. in a way, they've defeated themselves before they even take the ice in those games, and they're blown out in those games. But yet you look at some other teams that are the quote-unquote better teams around the league, and the Kings have been able to hang with those teams and even beat yeah. those teams and even beat some of them on the road, Dennis. Right. Oh, well, been what is better... it about Colorado that's like this weird kryptonite well, thing where like it, it, it gets in their brain somehow? I think that particular game, John, remember, I think 
Colorado had three days off, and the Kings were playing the third game in four nights. Yeah, that's true. So I, I, so I, I think just that alone, like when it became – and, John, not for nothing, your goalie's got to make a save. And when your goalies don't make a save, it's 9-3. So, to me, look, I think they know going into a game, if, if for some reason they got to the eighth seed and they had to play Colorado, it would be – it wouldn't be great for their psyche, but I just think this one team that is so dominant and just has their way with them. And it's not just that particular game. There've been other games the same way. I don't know what it is, but it's something that they'll have to uh, climb another hill. They'll have to climb over. Cause right now I, I think a lot of that is in their heads with respect to playing that particular team in Colorado. All right. So let's just quickly recap to, to, to where, you know, what's gone on sort of over the last month. This is the end of March, though, to get to April. They have that great road trip. They go through Canada. They uh, they do lose in a shootout to the Oilers, but they picked up a key point. Then they go into Calgary and Calgary does not lose at home and they beat Calgary. They get they then go to Winnipeg and they win that game. And so that teed up the month of April. They come home. And the Flames are able to beat the Kings and, and get those two points back, which was really disappointing because you feel like they they earned those points on the road and then they give them right back when they come home. And the Kings, as we've talked about in previous episodes, have not been a good home team. And then they give points back to Edmonton as well there on April 7th. And uh, things are things are going the wrong direction when they then lose to Minnesota uh, 6-3, yeah. which was on, on the Sunday game uh, a couple weeks back. And then they started to sort of, you know, right the ship with the exception of that Colorado game. They were able to beat Chicago, which is good a good sign because they need to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And that was a yeah. 5-2 win over the Blackhawks. That disaster against Colorado that we talked about. And then let's talk about sort of the more recent set, um, mm-hmm. which included they beat the they beat the uh, Blue Jackets 2-1. to right. one. They go into Anaheim. They win 2-1. to one, And then they come home and they beat the Blackhawks 4-1. to one. Just what did you like? What did you not like? Uh, for me, that Blue Jackets game, I didn't like that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they were able to secure the win. So just of those three games, well, what did you like or what did you not like? Well, I agree with you. I, I think a, a better team would have beaten uh, the Kings in that Blue Jackets game. It, it wasn't it, it was a two one game. They controlled the first period, but the second and third. Yeah, a better team would have beat them. I, I think of that segment of. One quick turn back the clock in Anaheim, John. I mean, mm-hmm. that, to me, that's that's the last. That's I think what solidified him playing now every game. I mean, that mm-hmm. was just 2012, 2014 vintage Jonathan Quick, and that's the biggest takeaway. Because John, they should have lost that game five two, right? Without question, they got <laughs> they they were they they the territorial the, the the opportunities the chances he turned back the clock, and now we go forward here, and it's you know like I said, there's two games from two points from clinching, but to me, that's of that group of games. To me, that's the most memorable thing because he was just phenomenal. Yeah. And there really, to me at least, wasn't a lot that was memorable from that Blackhawks game. They won the game four to one, but perhaps the only thing that was interesting of that, that game there at home before the Anaheim game last night was the fact that, and I had tweeted about this. I don't know if you saw it in the two previous games that had been played between the Kings and the Blackhawks, Philippe Deneau, Trevor Moore and Patrick Kane had all scored they had each scored in, in, in those two previous games. They also scored in this game here, the four to one game. So those okay. three players had a goal in all three of the games this series. No, I didn't see that. That's great. Yeah. Which is just kind of like, like weird, right? Just for whatever reason, those three uh, had produced in those series, but it just, it, to me, it wasn't a very memorable game. And maybe it's because, you know, subconsciously Kings Blackhawks, I'm expecting something bigger with more at stake. I don't know. Um, And the Blackhawks certainly are not a good team at this point right now. And the Kings needed two points, but it felt just very much like a 
weekday workmanlike mm-hmm. game. <laughs> Clearly, they scored more goals after a couple of you know two one games there that you know four one you know offensive explosion I guess you could call it, but <laughs> it just didn't have to me a lot of excitement. It just felt like a ho hum. You just worked yeah. for sixty minutes and walked away with your win and on to the next one. I don't. What were your What was your thoughts? Yeah, it was a low event game. The the, the only there you go. Was the was the two goals in fifteen seconds? That was, mm. and then just the effort by Athanasiu on that power on that breakaway, and he was he was gassed, but and he had his hands were good enough to get it in the back of the net. So to me, that was the only really explosive part of that game, or the highlight part of the game was the fifteen set two and fifteen seconds that put it away. But John, look, people like, especially with the coach, and I don't talk about like scheduling and stuff like that. John. Strength of schedule matters. Like mm-hmm. when you're playing these bad teams down the stretch, as opposed to playing Dallas or Nashville or or Colorado, which they're done with, or Calgary or Vancouver, it, it matters. It absolutely matters, and they've they've done what they had to do. And I said it after I get with five games to go. I said, look, they can still run the table and win these games. And people, oh, they're never going to run the table. Well, look who they're playing. They can mm-hmm. run the table. They can get to 100. And you're right, they won't get. Edmonton's going to win a couple games here. They won't get home ice. But to me, I think that's the most important thing is that they've they've taken care of business. I don't, it, they haven't been pretty wins, John. But guess what? When is this team ever going to win pretty? They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not going to win seven to one. This is not. Mm-hmm. This is not Florida. This is not Tampa. This is the way they win games. They're going to be mm-hmm. tight. They know it. We know it. Everybody that watches the team knows it, and that's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be for a while. For this team, winning pretty to me means this, Dennis. It means getting big saves, key saves at the time that you need to get them, and it means scoring timely goals. Right. And unfortunately, what tends to happen is they give up that bad goal. They give up that goal at the moment that you don't want them to give up a goal. <laughs> like letting Anaheim sort of cr- uh, crawl. Uh, I was trying to combine two words there and make up a new <laughs> word. But letting Anaheim sort of crawl back into that game last night, you know, you started to wonder. It did creep into your mind yeah. to go, oh, yeah, really? Is this is this really what they're going to do? The last home game of the year for a team that's not very good at home, for a team they should beat, for a game they have to have. And then, you know, they sort of picked it back up from there and then really closed things out in the third period. And that was good to see. But, Dennis, we've talked about the lack of production on the power play all, all right. season long. Have you seen a less inspiring five-on-three power play? Yeah. This season, because I haven't, it was it was very uninspiring, and I was disappointed. Yeah, it's, here's the thing, John. That's about execution, though. Like the like to start the power play, the five on three. Like the puck goes back to Kempe at the point. He just fumbles it and it goes out of the zone. Right. And and, and I put up I put up a stat yesterday. They're they're I think sixth in shots in the league. They're fourth in high danger chances on the power play. So it's not like people are telling me all oh, the structure. They're not coached well. They're, they get a ton of shots. They get a high, ton of high-danger opportunities. They're fourth in high-danger chances. You know what they rank in shooting? Last. Dead They're last. fourth in high-danger chances on the yes. power play or on overall? The power play. No, on the power play. On the power go, play. Go to natural stats. I went to it last night. Yeah, so They get no, opportunities. I, I don't need to verify your numbers. Oh, I'm I just, <laughs> just clarifying John, the data. They, their shooting percentage on the power play is 6.8%. It's That's dead last. Yeah. It's only team in the league under seven. So guess what? Either the players got to shoot better or you need better players to shoot. It's not mm-hmm. – so it is coaching and structural – because I, I said, okay, maybe that's a reasonable take until I say they get opportunities. They don't execute well. They don't have great passers, right? Kobe's Kobe's great passer, but, you know, when I watch Panarin play on the power play or Kaprizov, like that's the quality. And those teams 
have, you know, or have better power plays. And not for nothing, John, I have to look this up for the next episode. But for them to get from like 23 to like 16, let's say to get them halfway on the number of power play goals in the season to be produced, mm-hmm. like if I, if I said that's reasonable, if the Kings were 16th, I looked it up two weeks ago. It's only seven goals between them and like Chicago, who has Debrinket and Kane. But to your point, yes, that was a horrific like execution on the five on three. They played great in that first period, except for those four minutes. Yeah, like two right, minutes or whatever right, it was. Yeah. Like those were the worst two minutes. And I don't know what it is, but it's not coaching and it's not structure. And they are getting the shots. When you see 6.8% shooting on the power play, I'm sorry. Like, that's just not good enough from an execution standpoint. When they picked up that five on three power play, I thought, okay, they're going to put this thing out of reach right yeah, now. Right. right. And and, yep. and instead it was the exact opposite. Terrible. I'm fine with an exciting five on three, you know, where the goaltender is standing on his head and you just don't make any, you don't, you don't get a goal or two. Right. But it, it was nothing exciting. Nothing. It was dreadful. Nothing. It was dreadful. Nothing. Um, I do want to talk about, though, points overall, uh, because sure. Kopitar's lack of production has come up quite a bit. But before I get to that, I do want to make a comment about something you said earlier about that line of Lazat with Brown and Ayafalo. And here's my comment. As much as we think that Blake Lazat is really like a fourth line center, and when you see Dustin Brown playing on that line, some people mm-hmm. like it because of Brown's lack of production. Here's the reason why that line probably works. Blake Lazat brings so much energy to a line that he drags those two guys into the game. I remember uh, some comments about uh, Akil Thomas last year and what he does for some of his line mates. And obviously, Akil Thomas is a completely different player than Blake Lazat. But it's so true and and applicable here. Lazat drags Dustin Brown into the game, where Kopitar plays kind of like that sleepy game, right? He's like, you don't even know that he's producing points. He's understated, right. We're going to get to some of his production here in a minute. But Kopitar plays that like sleepy uh, game and it almost lulls you to sleep and Brown can be lulled to sleep. But no one's taking a nap when you're out there with Blake Lazat. That guy's going to pull you into the game. And given where Ayafalo is at this year, Mm -hmm. given where Dustin Brown is at this year, yeah. You probably couldn't ask for a better player for those two guys to play with because he really drags them into the game. And that's what Todd uses the same phrase, John. He he drags the he drags his line mates and he dragged well see, he dragged Artie and he dragged uh, Lemieux when he was with them. So to me, he's a very effective player. And for the haters out there, stop hating the guy. And he's got 10 goals. I mean, I don't know what else you want from this guy who's a bottom six guy. He's done everything possibly you can. And now he's got an extension and he's earned that extension. It's just a great it's a great story of, of success for a player who wasn't drafted with all the great names that we hear about with respect to the prospect pool. They had this guy solidify a third or fourth or whatever you want to call it line. I think it's a testament to this player never giving up and never quitting on himself. Well, he also he, he picked his spot, right? The time was perfect. Yep. If he was if he would have stayed in school and then tried to come out as a free agent later there wouldn't have been an opportunity in LA because he wouldn't have no. been able to leapfrog the pack because right. these other prospects that are in the pool would have been, you know, another year older, they would have graduated, et cetera. And they would have been already in too. Yeah. And, and a couple of pool. guys would have been in. Right. So he came in just like I follow. He came in in that bridge time before those younger kids had a chance, but let's go back right. to production. Sure. Kopitar for his lack of production this year, Dennis, he is still once again, leading the team in points and it's not even close. He has 66 points. Kempe's second at 53 points. So Kopitar, I think if I remember this correctly, DB, every year except one year of his career in Los Angeles, I think he's led the team in points. Yes, I believe so. And John, not for nothing, but but that number, the Kings don't have a guy in the top 50 in scoring. Kopi's right now, I think, 56th 
in scoring or tied for 55th with Elias Patterson, who's not a pretty damn good player. But to me, that that uh, that's just another miracle of this team is that they don't even have a score in the top 50 this year. Now, when you get to the goal front, I think you have to say kudos to GM Rob Blake. Kopitar is fourth on the team in goals with 19, and he's never really been a goal scorer as much as he has been a distributor, yes, right? But you look at the goals, you're getting 34 goals this year from Kempe, 26 from Deneau, 20 from Ardvidsson. Those are your top three goal scorers. So Kempe obviously having the breakout year as an unrestricted, or not unrestricted, mm -hmm. excuse me, a breakout year as an RFA. Uh, but Deneau and Ardvidsson, the two key additions offensively yeah. last summer, they're giving you exactly what you want. <laughs> Deneau, you could argue, is giving you more than what you wanted. He's a 50-point player this year, and you maybe didn't expect that. Uh, but... Those are your top four goal scorers. Kempe at 34, Dano at 26, RV at 20, Kopitar at 19. And then you get into Ayafalo at 17. And I, I think all 17 of those might have come in the first half, Dennis. Has he had a goal since Christmas? I don't I don't yes. remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Has he had one? One? Yes, he has. Yeah, he, no, he's had, he's had uh, I don't I think two. Or, okay, uh, two. Okay, fine. He's had two goals <laughs> since Christmas. That's fine. Trevor Moore at 16. You talk about a story, Dennis. Oh. Trevor Moore continues to be quite the story. Um, nobody in their right mind that is not related to Trevor Moore would have ever expected that he was going to have a 50 point season. Yeah, no, he's been for and plus 19, John. He's just been he's been this is a guy who you talk about the tenacity of a guy like Lazat. This guy's also tenacious on the puck. And I'm sure Trevor's the type of guy he's probably heard. Oh, oh you're a bottom six player. He's been what their best point producer since January 1st. Yeah, I mean, just just a great story, a great. You know, just there, there's guys, who, and that's the question, John. Have this team overachieved? That's the issue. And for Kopitar's production, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's time. You know, Kopi's always made players around him better. Maybe it's time to get better players around him. And maybe not Kempe, but on the other side. And we can have that conversation about Athanasiu and what happens this with him. But to me, I, I think it's period. he's at the point where he can still be productive. He's never going to be a Conor McDavid point producer. But again, like get another legit score on his other side. And maybe it's Artie, but with Artie, Mayor, you know, here's the thing, Mayor. Every time they put Artie up, it, it never works. And I asked Todd about it, and, and they don't know why. When he's on the bottom six, he produces. When he goes to the top and he gets more minutes, at the, and maybe it's just, you know, I, I think one thing it may be is that now he's played, what, 70 games? And you saw his production stop at around 60. And we forget he's a rookie. So maybe he hit the wall and maybe it's just a situation where next year through 82 games will be more productive. But to me, that's the one thing he should be the guy to go up. But at least this season it hasn't worked when he's gone. I have some other theories and some other reasons uh, of why sure. Kaliev is not the player to play alongside Andre Kopitar as much as I like the Artie party. Uh, let's get into that in the third period, though. Sure. Let's also talk about Jonathan Quick versus Cal Peterson. Let's talk about a question you just raised or a, a player that you just raised, which is double A. Um, let's come back on the other side of the break. Let's yeah. talk a little bit of uh, there's some Kings prospect news sure. as well as what's going on with the Ontario Reign because the Kings are not the only playoff team in Southern California. And I'll even give you some reverse retro jersey news, Dennis. Yes. That's all coming up right after the break.
All right, welcome back. Second period. Great music lined up for the podcast today, DB. Yes, so there was a good yes. track right there uh, from Bang Tango, which takes people back way back to the, the glory days of uh, of hair metal. But there's a lot of good, there's some new music coming up. So that was some old music. There's some new music that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but Dennis, we got so excited to jump back on the podcast and record our first show in quite some time and talk LA Kings hockey. We did not get to your Rams story. So uh, as we set up the podcast today, people can't see the video, but you are decked out in an LA Rams Jersey. And I asked you about it and you said, save it for the podcast. So tell us, lay it on us. What's going on. What's your deal. This is like the middle of April, late April here. And you're wearing an NFL Jersey. What's going on? Exactly. So it's the Rams Super Bowl Jersey. So, um, Okay, so I'm at practice 10 days ago in El Segundo, and my phone rings, and it's a 213 area code, which I don't recognize. And I have that Robo Keller on my phone mm-hmm. that screens. So if you're a legit caller, what it does, it screens you. You say your name. You can leave a voice message. So whoever's calling screens, it goes through, and I still don't recognize it. It goes to voicemail. Pick up the voicemail. Hey, Khalid, it's uh, Dennis. It's Khalid from the LA Rams. Okay, so when I renewed my tickets – for the Rams, uh, there was an inducement. Like if you uh, renew early, you get put in the sweepstakes. Oh, Khalid calls me up and says, you won the sweepstakes. Wow. And the gift is you get to be in the Rams inner circle at the NFL draft. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay, is this legit? Like I want a sweepstakes. Whoever wins a sweepstakes. Right. And I, and I and I'm looking at the number. I'm like, yeah, it's the LA Rams office. So what's happening is on. So they said, do you want to go to the Friday, the f- first day one or day two? And I said, well, the Rams don't have any picks in day one, so I want to go to day two. That's great because we're putting you in, in a circle. And because the Rams won the Super Bowl, you're right next to the stage, so you're going to be on NFL Network oh, and you're going to be on ESPN, and you have to wear Rams colors and jerseys and stuff like that. Okay. And and so it's at um it's right by it's right across from Caesars. It's at Caesars. I, I forget the the setup. It's the NFL experience, but there's a stage set up so when you see the players go up and stuff, I'm going to be right there. Okay. And then there's a, there's a concert after every day. So day 2 the there's a concert. Oh boy. And we'll be in the front row for Ice Cube. Oh, he puts on a great show. Ice Cube is a lot of fun. As opposed to Weezer the first day, John, which I'm Weezer sure. is horrible. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that. that Earl Skakel is listening right now, as always. He, this is one of our classic debates. Earl and I agree on a lot of music, but Weezer yes. sucks. So um, <laughs> that's, just, that's just that's for Earl. Me. Oh, it's just god awful. It's terrible. Yeah. So, so I'm going to be so, you know, fans, if you want to tune in on, on Friday, day two, um, we should be on T. Right. I'll, sh- I'll send you those, the setup because the seats are like ridiculous. They're right at Love the it. stage. And Good so deal. So that's well, Dennis, uh, Dennis, uh, let me also let you know yes. that, and this is going to tie in perfectly to what we're Go going to talk about, the Ontario Reign. Yes. The Ontario Reign finished their regular season next yes. weekend, the same weekend of the NFL draft. They are in Henderson Uh-oh. for the opening of the new building in oh, Henderson. Really? Yeah, the oh, Silver Knights. Oh, really? And, I didn't know that. Yeah, so if you want to go check that game out, that'll be on Saturday the 30th, and you can go see the Ontario Reign. I know you can't make it to Ontario, but you might be able to make it to Henderson. Yeah, I think my flight's back too early. Well, I, have to, I, have to, I have to do 
No, I have to do. You're killing me. I have to do a uh, hot stove on Saturday because that's from that. But you could do it from the new arena. You could do it from what is it? Silver Dollar Arena or something like that? Oh, oh no, it's in a uh, Dollar Loan Arena. Dollar Loan. I something, Dennis. I don't know it's what something. it is. It's know. hard to keep track of all these corporate. It's a Robin Leonard Memorial Arena. Okay, there you go. Uh, by the way, Dennis, not only am I not happy, and I know this is making okay. you sound like some uh, old time curmudgeon, but, but not only. It. Do I not appreciate the designated hitter ruining the National League? But now they're talking about <laughs> yes. they're going to name the field at Dodger Stadium. Of it's still going to be Dodger Stadium, but it's yeah. going to take on one of those world's longest name type things. You like know. your Broncos, right? Oh, Same it's just going to be right. ridiculous. It's, yeah, the, you know, the, the field presented. The fourth period should sponsor the field at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> and then, you know. Then you can rank on it even worse. No there way. you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Is there any, I, any leads on who's going to? No, I, from everything I've heard, there no, but uh, chase it. Yeah, they've signed up with an advertising agency or Got whatever it. you want to call those kind of firms that are uh, a recruiting firm that's going to go out and try to find yeah. it. And I, at least I do like this though, Dennis. They're trying to, if possible, get the jersey advertisement to be the same as the field. Get some yeah, synergy yeah. going there. Sure, that makes sense. Um, speaking like of that, that, did you see this? Because the Padres just announced um, their sponsor for next season. Have you seen the size of the ad? On no. the Padres jersey, they went no, with I'm Motorola. Okay, Dennis, it takes from the it's like from the top of the shoulder all the way to the sleeve. So it's it like is, having a phone on their sleeve. It is it is razor. enormous, an really? enormous. Uh, you cannot it. miss it. No. You, okay. I'd you know, I'm thinking. Out. Okay, it's going to be like you know an inch and a half. Yeah, yeah, it's going to yeah, be a yeah, small. Yeah. You know, two inches. It's going to be a small circle. You know, uh, it'll be. It'll be there, but not that. No, 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 no. This thing is beyond noticeable. I think they're the San Diego Motorola's at this point. It, it's and put, let me put it to you this way. The president of the MLS is very proud with uh, okay, how they how it. they have done the sponsorship. So I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do with their with their patch. Yeah. Uh, you know, I you know what's weird, though, too. We talk about this type of stuff all the time. TB is that like little quirks and little little things. I'm I'm OK uh, with the jersey patch, like in general. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. It's coming, like, whatever. Right. You know, we've seen the Nike swoosh. We've seen different things. It, it just doesn't bother me the way that it bothers so many other people. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, the naming of the field does bother me. It does me. bother me. Okay. Just leave it at Dodger Stadium. I don't need Dodger Stadium playing on the field presented to I you know. by State Farm. Like, I, yeah, Chase Field presented, yeah, presented by Dodger. Yeah. It's half-baked, Dennis. That's the problem. If you're going to go so iconic, it, John. That's the issue. It's but if you're like going to do it, just just yeah. just just call it. Just just change the name and make it the Chase Stadium, Stadium or okay. Motorola Field. Like just just go all in. Don't give me Dodger Stadium. You know, yeah, I get the it. field presented by State Farm or whatever. It just it yeah, feels yeah. it's half baked. Like it, it's I don't know, disingenuous in a certain sort of way. You're trying to protect the the That's history. That's what they can say. That's what they can say. By yeah, but it doesn't though. It doesn't to me. I don't know. But, but only on. only because they refer to it on T. Like you will never say Chase Field or Dodger. I'm going to no. Chase Field or Dodger <laughs> Stadium. Like, no. I'm, going Dodger, I'm, I'm going to the Ravine or I'm going to Dodger right, Stadium. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm to going me, to Blue just, Heaven on Earth. I don't know. Exactly. Where. It's just TV <laughs> shit. So I have noticed though very quickly, Dennis, that more people are referring to the arena as crypto. Like in the beginning, remember everyone was like, "I would never say that." It's yeah. Staples Center forever. That lasted all of about two or three weeks. <laughs> like, like, I, I see and hear people still yeah. like, I mean, not still, but I see and hear them referring to it more and more as Crypto.com Arena. So yeah. the, the 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 name has has caught on. Yeah, without question, and the people that are going to be tied to Staples Center just 
stay home. It's it's 2022. Let's go. Now, we probably should have had Kelly Cheeseman on to answer this question. Have you noticed that the Redcoats, as they are affectionately known or were known, inside Staples Center, you don't really see them anymore? So with crypto and the changeover to the blue color, yeah. I think even security has now gone blue. I don't I think, think security I, is red. Yeah, I think there's a, been a wardrobe, and it's been a wardrobe change on the, the actual ushers. and stuff. They all wear gray now. All the yeah. shirts are gray. So, yeah, some, it's definitely been wardrobe change. Branding all the way up and down yes. the scale, John. That, all the way happening. through to security. Exactly. Yes. Um, let me give some advice also to those that run the, um, the concession stands, DB. Mm -hmm. So I know that the world is trying to go cashless. By the yes. way, none of this was on the agenda for today. So thank you. For, Even better. <laughs> thank Even you better. for allowing this rant. Stream of consciousness. Um, John yes, I, I know. I know that the concession stands are uh, trying to go cashless. And, and, and now mm -hmm. at Staple or excuse me, at crypto.com arena, you have to push the buttons if you want to order the food yeah. and whatnot right. um, on the different concourses. Uh, Wahoo's Tacos. Mm -hmm. You need yep. to download their app if you want to order the food. So. For many people, they just walk right by because nobody wants to download another app DB no. just to order food. And it was quite interesting so because there's no handhelds or any. No, you cannot. You cannot punch a button anywhere. You can't. It's it's wow. all done through the app. So okay. the only reason this caught my attention, Dennis, is that, you know, I like to walk around the concourse uh, during intermissions and, you know, yep. look for the best jersey of intermission and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, take a quick lap or two. And in walking around last night, the lines were long everywhere. The place was packed last night. It, the it building was, was the see. most full I've seen all season long. Oh, no question. And it's funny because the second fullest I saw it was also an Anaheim game. So the two Anaheim games really drew very well this year. Yes. Um, but anyway, walking around the concourse last night, the the food stands, the lines were long everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then as I passed by Wahoos, I was like, what's going on? There, there were like two <laughs> people in line. What's the deal? Nobody wants Wahoos. I've had that chicken bowl. It's pretty good. Yeah, so I was wondering what was going on. And then I sort of read the signage and that's what it was. You you could not walk up and push a button or talk to anybody. You had to download the that's app. Tough which is great if you're the marketing person that wants more downloads of your app, but not good from a revenue perspective, because no. I would tend to believe they left thousands of dollars on the table last night uh, in the sense that- Well, there's people, only two people standing there, John, you're right. Yeah, people just Simple walk right that. by and they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm gonna go to Dodo Bird or uh, whatever the other, you know, Wetzel's Pretzel Dogs or whatever the other places are. Yeah. Salt and Char, what's the burger place? Salt I can never remember yeah, the name. Salt and Char, you got Salt it. Salt and Char, okay, first, I got first it. First aid, you got it. They do have a pretty good uh, um, Impossible Burger there at that at that stand. But anyway, moving on, Dennis. Let's talk about the Ontario Reign. I did mention yes. that game coming up. They're going to wrap up their season. So they just completed a three-game series in Colorado. Uh, their, their playoff, they are going to play the San Diego goals. That has been set. It, I mean, you oh. couldn't ask for anything better. It's nope. going to be Kings. Uh, sorry, it's going to be Reign goals in round one of the playoffs. And uh, as I reported on Mayor's Manor the other day, it looks like that uh, they're going to play all three games. It's a best of three. DB, I don't know. I Actually, I do know you're not familiar with the AHL playoff format this year. It's kind of interesting. So in the Pacific Division, if you finish mm -hmm. first, which is Stockton, okay. right. um, they get a bye out of the okay. first round. They go right into the second round. Got it. The first round is going to be best of three, which is kind of crazy because, you know, yep. hockey, when you think of playoffs, you think of best of seven series. Seven. Right. They're going to go best of three. So the Rain are finishing second. The goals are finishing seventh. So two play seven mm -hmm. and uh, best of three. Now, here's the weird quirk. All three of those games are going to be played, from what I understand, in Ontario. Wow. However, however, okay. it gets even weirder. Game two is going to be designated 
is a home game for San Diego. So (laughs) what's the point of playing three games in your barn when one of them is a road game, even though it's really a home game? Very strange situation. But uh, it looks like those games are going to be beginning as early as May 3rd. Uh, nothing better than than rain goals. That's that's all you can ask for. The only bummer for me is that it's not a seven game series because mm-hmm. you need you need more rain goals in your life, not less. But that'll be a fantastic three game series. Uh, a couple of other notes here. Akil Thomas, you know, he he was off to such a rough start this year. DB, we yeah. talked about it a couple podcasts ago that I thought it was a, a kind of a throwaway year, a free year um, as he was coming back from that double shoulder surgery. He had a hat trick at one of the games in Colorado. So. He's been heating up of late and sort of getting his game back, so that's great. Um, and I'll give you a little breaking news here as well. Alex Turcott, who has been out for quite some time, from what I understand, he's going to begin skating this week, could be back as early skating as early as Friday. And uh, if that was the case, you have to wonder how long until they put him back into the lineup. I'm guessing he's probably not going to play on Saturday. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. But maybe you get Turk back for the playoffs that would be a real boost uh, for the Ontario Reign. So good to see that Alex Turcott is close to uh, getting back onto the ice and playing yep. again. Yeah, they, he needs to play, John, for sure. Hey, look, some other breaking news. Your boy Artie Party just got fined for that cross check at the end of the game last night. Well, the, the fear was that it might be more than a fine. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure that Artie will take the fine and keep on trucking. Yeah, $2,235.42, the maximum allowable under the CBA. Good thing for that 42 cents, Dennis. I mean, yes, you know, up, and, <laughs> up until then, he was fine with the fine, but that 42 cents is really going to bother him. him. Over. <laughs> it's really going to piss him off. Um, let me give you a couple of other LA Kings prospect uh, tidbits here, and we can we yep. can talk. Um, so Brant Clark, first round draft pick, uh, number seven overall last year at the, at the uh, NHL draft. Brant Clark, I think I said Brett a minute ago. Brant Clark. Um, I reported that he had a, uh, a knee issue. And so he had yeah. surgery this week, DB. Now the Barry Colts are in the playoffs. He's not going to be available for the first round, but the way that things are spaced out, they could potentially get him back at the end of the second round. Should they advance? Now, Barry's sure. going to have a difficult time advancing in the playoffs because one of their top goaltenders was signed mid year to the, uh, I believe it was the Florida Panthers mm-hmm. and left the OHL. So, that you know they're in for a world of hurt. They did qualify for the playoffs, but they don't have home ice advantage. But should Barry advance in the playoffs, Brent Clark could be back. The other thing you have to wonder about DB, uh, you have development camp that's coming up probably in yes. July here in right. Los Angeles. You want to get a good long look at Brent Clark because there still is the better than 50% possibility mm-hmm. that he plays in Los Angeles next year. But here's the really interesting thing could Team Canada potentially? reverse their previous decision, which was to exclude him from the world junior roster because with the world junior championships being rescheduled to take place in mid August in Edmonton, Mm -hmm. you're not able, you're not, I mean, you are able to, but you're not likely to take back the exact roster for various reasons that you had configured before. So given that each nation is going to be able to reconfigure their roster and given the year that Clark had, Mm -hmm. did he do enough to get them to rethink Mm -hmm. their position? And if he's healthy, could Brent Clark, in fact, now be part of Team Canada? Sure. I think that's one of the really interesting decisions heading into the World Juniors. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And and I think based on the body of work, is he not one of the best they have? Of course. So we'll see. It'd be very interesting to see if they, they undo the, the miscarriage of justice, John. 
Oh, Twitter was in an uproar at that particular point. Um, another uh, Kings prospect also from um, the same draft class, Frankie Pinelli, signed his entry-level contract. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, Dennis, that was interesting to me because the Kings are up against it from a contract standpoint. Right. And I know yep. they're going to have some guys coming off the books this year, but still, they're up against it from a contract standpoint. And Pinelli is absolutely going back to the OHL next year. Sure. So not much of an incentive to get him to sign now, even though the contract doesn't kick in until next year and it'll slide why mm -hmm. not just wait another summer as you do with most prospects? So it has been very interesting that uh, Blake has not waited around on his prospects, getting guys signed to their entry level deals uh, early on, unlike most other teams who kind of wait until they really have to do it and then they go ahead and do it. So it does speak to the future there. Young Frankie Pinelli, uh, the OHL coaches poll came out this week, Dennis. I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day on this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's an annual well, it is exactly what it says. It's a coaches poll. They pull all the coaches in the OHL and um, they split it up now into the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference to give more kids some hype. Uh, back in 2008, as an example, Drew Doughty was number voted the number one offensive defenseman in the OHL and the number two defensive defenseman in the OHL. So that's quite the accomplishment in 2008. Sure. Uh, Clark was on there for a number of categories, um, including number one, you know, top offensive defenseman. And uh, Pinelli was in there. He he picked up, uh, he wanted, they only announced the top three in each category. Pinelli picked up one. And uh, uh, who was the other one? Uh, Chromiak picked up one. Uh, of course, he's been playing uh, with Shane Wright most of the year. So keep an eye on Chromiak. He's expected to be with the Ontario Reign next year. Did we, did we talk about Faber going back? Or did you, uh, did I'm you, not sure. I'm not sure that we did on the podcast. So I, I know you had feelings on, on Twitter, but just just break it down. You're just thoughts about Faber going back to school. Yeah. You know, really what I think it boils down to, Dennis, uh, without having talked to Brock and really get in on the specifics of it. I, I had been hearing uh, heading into his his decision weekend right after they were eliminated from the playoffs, that it was probably about 50 50 mm -hmm. that he was going to go back, which is a little bit of a different story compared to where things were, call it November or December of last year, where it was almost a foregone conclusion that Faber was going to turn pro uh, and, you know, start his next season next year as a professional player, probably would have started with the Ontario Reign and then mm -hmm. halfway through the year, maybe worked his way into the LA Kings. Um, he's, you know, clearly one of the top uh, defensemen in along with Brant Clark in their prospect pool. The problem is this DB. Um, I, 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 I'm guessing, sort of theorizing a little bit here. Sure. Two things are taking place. One, he's left with that sour taste in his mouth. The, Minnesota right. should have gone to the Frozen Four this year. Um, they didn't. They were eliminated. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a great incoming class. They have a lot of their key starters are returning. They can make another run. They, like Michigan was this year, um, Minnesota next year will be expect, you know, one of the top two or three teams expected to win it all. You have that craving as a player from that part of the country to win a national championship. It, it doesn't resonate mm -hmm. with kind of players from California. It's kind sure. of like world juniors. If you're from Minnesota or Boston, Chicago, right. you know, yeah. or Canada, world juniors is a really big deal. Well, college hockey is a really big deal too, to Minnesota, you know, sure. uh, uh, you know, born players and to be able to play for the Minnesota golden Gophers and to be able to win a national championship with them, there's no rush to turn pro pro is going to be there when you're ready. Um, he, he could have probably slipped right into the LA Kings, uh, right. a defensive lineup right now when you look at sort of where they are uh, with all of their injuries and whatnot and who's in the lineup. But again, I think the other thing, DB, because I said there's two. One is that. Yeah. The second thing is, if you look at the right side, they're very crowded, right? Yes. I mean, we, we yes. did talk about that, which is, I mean, there's eight guys that you have to talk about, you know, not yeah. only Drew Doughty, but you have Roy, you have Walker, um, you know, you have 
Dursey, uh, Dursey, you have Spence, you know, you have Clark and you have to, if you're Brock Faber, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to be fighting for a spot versus I'm going to be, you know, the top pair defenseman going yeah. for a national championship at Minnesota. Sure. It's not like the Kings are on the cusp of winning a Stanley cup next year. You know, you, mm -hmm. you might think yeah. they will be better next year, but you certainly today, late April, wouldn't call them a Stanley cup favorite for next year. Maybe that changes with some big moves over the summer. I don't know. But the point is, if you're Faber and you're comparing those two, even if uh, Blake, who did meet with Faber that weekend when he was in Minnesota, even if Blake was able to show him the path of how he was going to clear the herd. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to trade a couple of players. We're going to do sure. this. We're going to have a spot for you. It still would have been a little bit of a leap of faith on Faber's yeah. part to say, 100%. OK, you're going to do all of that. And then, you know, there's a spot for me. So. He's going back for one more year, Dennis. And, um, you know, I, we talked earlier about Blake Lazat coming in at the right time, right? And, and, and sort of leapfrogging some people. Mm -hmm. you, sort of, you sort of have to wonder if Clark uh, does come in and play for the Kings next year, if they don't clear enough spots out uh, on the right side, that does perhaps make Faber look at it again in a year from now and go, mm -hmm. is there room for me, right? right? Because on one hand, if the right side is dowdy, Clark and Faber. Well, what does that mean for all the other guys? What does that mean for Dursey? What does that mean for yeah. Matt Roy? What does that mean for Spence? What does that Spence, mean for all yeah. those other guys? Well, they could play six right D next year, I guess. <laughs> they can. And it might be time. You're right. The, the, the time might be right, John, with the spec. And not for that. You're right. It's not, I'll give you the comparable. It's not like Kale McCarr jumping in in Colorado a couple of seasons ago, right? And, and that team's a contender. Patience might be a virtue here. So just go back and, if it's one more season and you assume the team is going to be better next season, maybe next season it's a deep cup run and then he jumps on board. So I think that's a, I think it's a blessing and a curse, right? They have, they have so many on the right side, but this could clearly is, you know, an elite defender. So we'll see what happens. But to me, it was a little bit surprising because you figure the teams now, if you're Brock, you say, okay, this team's on a, on an upward arc now without mm -hmm. question, I could jump in and play some playoff games, but, would he? So the, and I think the, the first part as well, too, is that you, you certainly see that the kids from Minnesota have talked and say, we want to run it back and try to get a, a get a championship. Blessing and a curse. Great way to put it. DB, uh, here's a blessing for you. We have a break coming up. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk about Kaliev. We're going to talk about Jay Quick. We're going to talk about uh, Cal Peterson. And we're going to talk about your boy, double A, number 22. We'll do all of that after the break. Of the podcast with DB and the mayor. 
Third period, Kings of the Podcast. Some more great music, some more great Kings talk. Uh, Dennis, are you ready to talk about uh, Kaliev, Jay Quick, and Double A? Oh, yeah, let's do it, Jay. Come on. I can't wait. All right, so in between periods, you and I have some, uh, well, not not in between periods here on the podcast, in between periods at the crypto, you and I uh, are known to have some interesting conversations and debates, yep. often, often based upon some questions that we receive from fans who are walking by. And by the way, I didn't catch his name, but thank you to the fan who stopped by uh, between the first and second intermission last night and gave us the business, Dennis. Yeah, he was yeah. like, hey, guys, what's going on? When yeah, is the new yeah. podcast? I need some kings of the podcast. I had a guy come by in the first period and ask me, uh, he wanted information about um, the ties, a tiebreaker, and, and, and okay. he brought out the, like the ESPN app or the NHL app and showed me the standings. And he said, no, it's regulation wins. And so, and PJ standing next to me, he goes, oh, you're the answer man tonight. So yeah, fans actually come up and want to know what the tiebreaker situation is well, not just the podcast. So yeah, just, and, and I just got to say uh, the Thursday game against Chicago, a whole family, four people, husband, wife, uh, daughter, boyfriend came up and, and thanked us for, you know, the podcast and stuff. So just the, the continual amount of um, affirmation and, and applause that we get from the fans live at the game is just, to me, it's always rewarding. I just want to, and I can't remember everybody's name and give them a shout out, but it's been just really, really nice to see that people still love and crave what we do here. Yes. It's always good. We had the uh, fan last night, also DB that came by and thanked me for a conversation from like October, which I'm sorry, uh, I had forgotten about, but apparently I helped him, uh, a select which player to get on a jersey for his baby. Fantastic. His wife was pregnant, and they wanted to get a jersey oh. for their baby. Uh, and they were debating between a couple of players. And I guess I, I helped play tiebreaker. So That's fantastic. Th there you go. Um, so we have a lot to cover here in the third period, and we're talking yep. a little bit about the present, but also about the future, Dennis. So the question that you asked me in between periods last night uh, at the game was, "Should the Kings re-sign Double A?" And my immediate reply was absolutely not and then you tried to make the case for it so i'll turn the floor over to you first and then i will uh i will rebut your your comments no not rebutting i i think it was and maybe i didn't express myself the entire thought was they get in and he scores he gets three goals and two assists in a round and they lose but in seven to edmonton like then what would you do because if he does produce in the playoffs you know what's going to happen on social media. Like you got to bring this guy back, sixteen for four, and and Todd has always spoke very highly. I mean, he says he's an X factor on the scene, but and and when you look at his numbers, like yeah, okay, and except the good news is, like he he is productive when he plays up top. The bad news is he missed fifty games, and how much can you rely on the player? I think it's more about a reliability thing. He always seems to be hurt. He can't play eighty-two games. So to me, and not only that, I, I talked to like you, a couple other people, said, so look. A lot of guys waiting for that spot. So, do you really want to sign a guy who's in his late twenties to a multi-year deal when you do have guys in the wings here? So, to me, um, I think it's a situation where, it's like, do you want to do another year, John, at like three or three and a half million? That's the question. I don't know if you really want to do that. Well, I don't think they can afford to do that. Um, I, I think it would only be a, a one-year, one million dollar deal. Let me just give you a couple of things to think sure. about here. Please. So. You're talking about 14 forwards, 14 spots at forward. Right. You already have committed to Ayafalo, Kopitar, Kempe, Moore, Deneau, Ardvidsson, uh, Byfield, Kaliev, Lazat. Um, so that so they're right there. What you're what you're left with is there's there's one spot that's available. Uh, there's two spots. There's three. There's four. There's five. So there's five open spots at forward. 
Now, mm-hmm. if you want Turcotte to be in the NHL next year, and I don't really think at this point that Turcotte has done enough to secure an NHL spot, I think he would start the season in the American League. So that spot is open. The Lemieux spot, I would say whether it's Lemieux or Grunstrom or somebody else, call it that physical type player. That's not a spot for double A. So that really leaves no, no. you with right. that leaves you with four spots. Now, are you going to bring back Dustin Brown? I think that's intriguing in and of itself, DB, because as you continue to bring youth onto this team, I would be all for bringing back Dustin Brown. I think if you put him in the right spot, you don't have to play him 82 games. You can play him. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, Blake talks about this all the time, right? Players understanding their role. And if he's willing to come back and be that maybe 13th forward who plays half the season and he plays on a small, I know he doesn't want that DB. I know he wants yeah. to play. It's it's not that he wants to play John. Like that role is one year, $1 million. It is. And I, I don't think Dustin wants that. I, I don't think he would come back. Like, what's the point? What's he chasing? Not a Stanley cup, not his Jersey going to the rafters. I think that, I think it's the price point, John. I think he would accept that, but you're not going to play a guy two and a half, $3 million to be the, the, the 13th forward every night. That's the no. challenge. Max deal on Brown to me is two million, but you can't even commit two million until you figure out the rest of the roster. So it would have yeah. to be a late summer deal. If he wants to sign for a million right up front and he's secured one of those spots, that's great. Uh, but here, here's where I'm really going with all of this, Dennis, sure, is that when you look at all of those players that I just mentioned that are already right. there, If this team is serious about wanting to take the next step, and I didn't even talk about Gabe Velarde yet in terms of all of that type of stuff. I didn't talk about Jared Anderson Dolan, who's going to be out of waivers. So there there are other prospects that you have to sort of factor in. Leas Anderson, who unfortunately probably looks like he's not coming back. He'll leave probably as an RFA. Uh, If they qualify him, I don't understand what the purpose of it is because you probably would lose him on waivers on opening or leading into opening night because it would a hell of a lot of things would have to go wrong in training camp for him to end up as one of the 14 forwards um, right. next year. So I'm um, just to get back on track here. If you're really serious about wanting to improve this club, you need to add a defenseman, which we've talked about, and you yep. need to add a top nine forward, preferably a top six forward. Six, yeah. And if you don't add that top six, top nine forward, Dennis, then what you're basically saying is your key offensive addition going into next season is double A. That's who the guy yeah. is. And I just don't think that that does enough for this team. So if you want to sign him as a 13th or 14th forward at a million dollars, and he's this guy who's going to give you spot duty if a player's injured or if things aren't working, you maybe push him up in the lineup a little bit. Like, fine, I'm okay with it. I don't like it because to me, it serves as a blocker. I'd rather see Sammy Fagamo get 40 games next year. I'd rather see Velarde get 40 games next year. You know, whatever. I'd rather see some of these younger kids get worked into the system. But there's nothing exciting to me about Reese. I don't care if he scores 10 goals in 10 games in the Mm -hmm. playoffs, Dennis. Mm -hmm. There's nothing exciting to me about bringing double A back and penciling him in for a top six role next year. Now, let me tell you how it ties back to Kaliev. If you remember in the first period, you talked about Kaliev not working, right? The fact that double A is productive or works with uh, Kopitar is an interesting concept because if you look at the history of Kopitar, Double A is not the type of player that succeeds long term playing with the Kopitar. Mm-hmm. He likes that eye of follow. He likes that that grittier player who can go yep. into the corners and do things right. And if you're going to play him with sort of that skill guy, that's Kempe. So you already have that in Kempe. Now you mm-hmm. need to get some other type of winger, and that's what they thought that um, that Arvidsson could be. And it just the, the chemistry wasn't there, and it didn't work out. Uh, Kaliev to me is not the type of player that plays well 
with um, with Kopitar. You would almost have to move Kempe off that line, in my opinion, to make it work. You would have to do something like, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this, you'd have to Go put ahead. Trevor Moore on the line with Kopitar and have Kaliev as yeah. the other winger because that's the type of mix that Kopitar seems to play well with. And my other comment about Kaliev is, I think that when you have a younger player with the personality of Kaliev, he doesn't come with swag. He's not that over-the-top, egotistical uh, mm -hmm. uh, type of young player who almost doesn't respect the elders and the veterans. Right. Right? You have those young kids that come into the league, and they just don't give a crap, Dennis. They don't. They think they are the straw that stirs the drink, and, and they're not deferring to anybody. That's not the type of player that Kaliev is. He's a quiet, unassuming, yeah. very respectful type player, a person. So what I think happens is when you put Kaliev up on that top line to answer the question that Todd was asking, why does it not work? I think that he just doesn't have the confidence at this point in his career to be able to play his game when he's playing with a guy like Kopitar. He defers to a Kopitar. He's not going to be who he is, which is a shoot-first type player. That's why the, the pairing of him with Byfield, in my opinion, works so well. It worked last year in Ontario. I think it can work in Los Angeles as well. Two younger players of about the same age where there's a mutual respect and Artie can relax and have fun you can't put him with a veteran like a Kopitar and expect him to produce. He's just not that young, brash player who is going to come in and hot dog it playing with a vet like Kopi. It just doesn't work. It's oil and water. And, and you know who was also deferential up until this year? Adrian Kempe. That was an, that was an issue. The same thing. He was too, These players are too deferential to these star players who are iconic here, and you can't have that anymore. you got to be a little bit more aggressive. Well, the thing with, with, with Artie and, and Quinton, I think it's a question of like how many minutes would they play next season? Is it 15? Is it 12? Like you can't have already playing and already produces. What has he got? 15. And he's playing 12 minutes a night. So he's got to be on the ice more. Um, I, I just keep going back to that spot across from Kempe and Kopitar. Like you can't stand Pat John, unless you think that guys going to, you're going to get a lot of progression from the kids. You're the 20th ranked offense in the league. Like these offensive numbers, John, it's a miracle this team's in the, in the postseason. They're last in goals by defensemen. They're 20th in, in goals scored. Like they get all kinds of shots. And John, you know what? I think halfway through the season, I stopped looking at the shot clock because it doesn't matter, right? I mean, you need that other and whatever type of player you want opposite Kopi. Like you need a legit guy. Like you can't like maybe like going in. You this offense has to improve. I'm sure when we talk to Rob at the end of the season, he'll say the same thing. So that's the one area that I think you're right. I think you got to go to the outside. And here's the thing, Athanasiu on a really good team, a, a contender. He's a middle six player. He's not a top six guy. Yes. Right. So so that's it. So if he's got this production on the third line, then we can have a conversation. But there are other players you probably want on that third line instead of him. Yes. The other issue, John, is that they are 18-3-5 with Anthony Seale in the lineup. So. I, you know, okay. I just, I, that, okay. yes, fine. That's a number. That is, their, you know, <laughs> or a series of numbers, whatever. It's a crazy number with this team, though. That's the problem. But, Dennis, it's not, know, it's not enough to get me excited. It's yeah, not enough to answer the question. It's I not enough you. to secure his spot but up there. I got you. Yeah, it just I'm not making the case for him, and I agree with you. Like, that's a player that like is really gonna be a top six or top line player on this team. You think you're gonna be like scaring Calgary or Colorado? You're not. You you need a dangerous player up there. So I don't know what the option is. Maybe he already becomes that dangerous player. I, I think you know what I think. You got to go in the market, see who's out there. 
and 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 pay up for some big time score either with assets or with money but i'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen well they're going to have the money to do it dennis and there's yep. a whole article i wrote on mayor's manor back yes. around the trade deadline called salary cap crunch so if you yep. didn't read it you know, listeners, please go read it. Just search Mayor's Manor Salary Cap Crunch and it'll break down exactly what's going to happen in terms of guys that needed money and how much money would they really have to spend. And they can't afford to. They can't afford to go out and get a big-time winger, but you also yeah. have to balance that with how much money they're going to spend on a defenseman, which circles back yeah. to Chikrin and why the Chikrin deal makes a lot of money because you get cost certainty, a reasonable yeah. contract for the next three years. So that's very helpful if you're able to get Chikrin. If you don't get Chikrin, then you sort of have to make a decision. Are you going to go out and get another Alex Edler-type player who's a plug in terms of a bridge, yeah. a low-cost veteran player, million to $2 million to shore up your defense and then spend your money at forward? I can actually make the case that there's a good a good reason to go out and do that. Maybe you don't want to go out and spend $6 million on a defenseman right now because maybe you need to spend that money on forwards because yeah. the kids are too young. Back to your point, though, about Kaliev and Kempe, you're talking about a five-year age difference. Kempe's oh, 25 yeah, yeah. years old. Yeah. So, you know, Arthur Kaliev at 20 is differential. Arthur Kaliev at 25 with five years of experience in the NHL is going to be a different player. I just yeah. don't think the Kaliev, the I don't think the time is right to put Kaliev on the top line. As much as I love Artie and as much as I think that he's going to produce sure. this league, as much as I believe he can score 35 goals in the NHL, mm -hmm. I don't think that that's the right fit for him. And you, you probably can't, you can't put him on the Deneau line just because you have that sort of figured out. So he's a third line player at this point right now with Quentin Byfield how you get him more minutes, DB, is probably on the power play. And I think you do, to circle back to the power play comment from earlier, yeah. or discussion, I think you do have to relook at the power play over the summer. I think you have to look at the structure. I think you have to look at the coaching. I know the numbers would suggest, suggest that some of it has to do with the players, but some of it could be the mix. Because they were certainly throwing Ayafalo and Brown over the boards as PP1 for a long time this year. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't getting you anywhere. But, but structure means you're not getting opportunities. They're getting a chance. Here's the thing, John. They've got no shot on the blue. With Drew out, they've got nothing on the blue. Like, if I'm, a, if I'm an opposing team, I'm packing it in. Because Dursey, as great as he's been, and, and, and Spence, they don't have big shots. Nobody's scared of those shots. They don't even get through. So, to me, that's part of the issue is this offense. And that goes to your point about Chicken or whoever, a Provorf or somebody. Like you need a threat back there, John. And I'm assuming Drew's going to be fine. He had wrist surgery. But you need a second option. Like it's great that these guys can move the puck and there's has been great, but there's no there's no guy that, that just or a forward that has a heavy shot because you're playing Kempe on the side. He's got a shot. Kempe's not a great passer, so I wouldn't put him on the blue line. I mean, to me, I agree with the offensive improvement, but it's you got to get more from the blue line. You can't have five guys who don't have a shot at scoring a goal on this team next year on the blue line. That's part of the issue, and that ties back into the offense. So to me, I just think the lack of threat of a big shooter on the on the blue line. I think that has to be addressed as well. You may very right, and, and look, one year twenty seventh or whatever. Look at everything, <laughs> but, but I just I just look at like what what they get and the opportunities that they get, and they're they're up in the class of like Tampa and Florida with respect to the opportunities they get on the power play. I just don't think they have the right. Like, look, I love the seasons that Trevor Moore and Phil Deneau have, have had had. They're not power play players. They're just not, and mm -hmm. that's okay and they've had great seasons and there's no disrespect to their talent that's not like when i look at san jose even a team like san jose or even anaheim like they have better offensive players out there i think that's the issue is like better players and i know people 
come at me on Twitter for saying that, but I think a lot of it has to do with personnel, but we'll see. Which is why, Dennis, I continue to bang the drum that the money and the assets, whatever it takes, should be spent this summer on a forward before you get to the defenseman. If you can get Chikrin, great, because it solidifies things and it lets you know exactly how much money that you have. But if it's not him, I don't see anybody else out there. Maybe maybe they'll find that anomaly, but I don't I see anybody out there yeah. that is the right age, that is the right money, that is the right player. And so if that deal is not there to be made, then I think that you you still have to focus your attention yes. on the forward because 100%. it's not going to come from double A. It's not going to come from moving Kaliev up. It's not going to come from Turcotte, yeah. Fagamo, whoever. Those kids are still in the developmental Outside. stages and they need yep. a little bit more. They need a couple more years. And this team has shown that they are much, much better than where they were a year ago. And you give them a little more juice, no pun mm -hmm. intended, from Kempe. But if you get regression from Kempe next year, DB, which is likely because he's not in a contract year, if you get yep. any sort of regression from Kempe, if you get any sort of regression from Moore, if you get any sort of regression from Deneau, Yep. You're in a world of hurt Stop. if you think yeah. that Byfield and Kaliev are going to be the ones that are going to make up for those goals. And even then, you're treading water, DB. You're, you're, you're right. net you're neutral. You're going to be 20th again in scoring. You're net neutral. You you yep. just traded the regression for the improvement. Where's right. the addition? Should, the addition yeah. has to come from the outside. Totally agree with you, John. Let's wrap. It's no fun when we agree, Dennis. Let's, um, <laughs> let's wrap up. I'll tell you what I was going to do. I was going to do the LA Kings awards. Uh, which is always one of our our, our best yes. debates of the entire year. Let's save that for the next episode of the podcast, which okay. will be the playoff preview against yes. Calgary, against Calgary, against Edmonton. Maybe. Man, I'm not even in playoff shape. It's still training camp for me, Dennis. Well, unless you thought they're going to win the first round and play Calgary <laughs> in the second. They're well, jumping ahead. you know something, Dennis? That is actually what I was just about to say to you is this. Go ahead. At the beginning of the year, I said the Kings would make the playoffs and you said the Kings wouldn't. I thought Correct. this team had enough to make it in the Pacific yep. division. I thought they were good enough. Uh, mm -hmm. I certainly didn't predict the amount of injuries, nor do I think anybody no. did, but I did think that this team was good enough to qualify for the playoffs. Yep. I, I don't want your playoff prediction just yet. Let's save that for the playoff preview show. However, sure. I want to say this one comment and get your reaction to it. Go ahead. They're whatever the percentage chance is. They're 98% likely to play mm -hmm. the Edmonton Oilers in the first round, sure. right? We know the matchup. It's Edmonton. It's LA. Yep. It's great. It's the old Smythe division. It's these two former hated rivals going against each other. There's huge history between these two teams. It's fantastic. I look forward to it. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. Here's what just keeps playing in my mind. Jonathan Quick has been the most consistent of the two goaltenders this year between him and Peterson. Jonathan Quick yep. has now solidified himself as the number one goaltender, whether anybody wants to state that or not. I'm sorry, Todd. I'll state it for you. Jonathan Quick is the number one goalie. He starts game one of the playoffs. Goaltending matters most in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Quick versus Mike Smith. I kind of start to look at that and go, I don't know how they're going to get it done because I understand McDavid and all the other stuff going on on the other side. And I understand all the lack of offense that we just talked about with LA, but you're telling me that I have to pick between Jonathan quick, one team on one side and Mike Smith and one team on the other side. I think the Kings have a better chance of beating Edmonton than people are giving them. Uh, I think it's a long series. I, I I'm watching the way Mike Smith plays though. John, he's playing as good as quick. He's been really good. Like the game in LA here, Smith won them that game. He was really, really good. Now, can you depend on him in the postseason? I don't know. Can you – will he get hurt at 40? Now, he hasn't played a lot of games, Sean, so he's more rested. So it's not like he went through 60 games and played. To me, it's a big ask because, like, give me – that's the only possible facet of their game 
that they would have an advantage on. Mm -hmm. like, to me, at, at this point now, because again, I asked Todd about it. I, like I, Todd's great. I asked him who the MVP is. He won't answer the question. Then yesterday, I asked him who is his best defenseman, and he goes, "What are you trying to get? Ask me all the answers for all the season end awards?" And he said a very, <laughs> very eloquent thing. Go. I said, well, at least I'm consistent. At least I got you to answer the question on the goaltending. But he, he was very—he even admitted he goes, maybe our system shields some of our younger players, and that, I think that's the beauty of this team is that when you look at them on paper. And when I looked at see John, it's like I looked at paper and I saw with respect to our picks, I said 88 to 92 points. I didn't think it was going to be fire the coach; they're going to suck. I just think they were going to be just short. So yeah, sure. I'll lose to you. And, and so I thought improvement, and they definitely improved. To me, I, I just don't see. Like, I can't – I agree with you in one aspect. Their path to beating Edmonton is through the goal. I, I don't see any other facet of the game where they're going to they're gonna be – there's going to be an advantage for them. So, John would have to revert to back to 2014 or 2012 and be the better goalie and, and out-goalie them. But the thing is, Edmonton in the postseason, the last two postseasons, they lost to Chicago when they shouldn't have. And they got wiped out by Winnipeg. So is it going to be all four games and they're so overmatched because of Connor and Leon? I don't think so because this team does make mistakes and who knows about their defense and who knows about Mike Smith. So I think a long series, I'm not going to pick it yet, but um, it's going to be not a significant upset, but it would be an upset. Like they're going to be underdogs going in, but I think they're comfortable with that. And I think they're comfortable playing on the road. So it's going to be, and it's been, what, 30 years since these two franchises have played. So I think it's going to be very intriguing because I think the one thing, John, is that they're so different, these teams. I think that's what makes the most intriguing game. Yes. They are polar opposites when it comes to style and, and everything. And you've got two guys, like I said, in the, what, in the top five in scoring, and the Kings don't have one in the top 50. <laughs> it's just really – that type of playoff matchup is so intriguing because it's a matter of who can impose their will, who can impose their style on a series. And DB, you also have the master versus the student. You also yeah, have oh, McClellan no. versus oh, Woodcroft. I mean, this is a fascinating storyline between these two teams. Uh, but the styles, you're right, though. The styles are what it's going to come down to. And yep. can the Kings style win in the playoffs? I think it's going to become very interesting. Here's another one. We'll leave you with this question, DB. Um, assuming that the Kings are already in a playoff position because uh, Vegas gifts it to them, Heading yeah, into the final two games, Tuesday, yeah. Right. Heading into those final two games, um, do you rest quick? To your point about Mike Smith being rested, do you rest quickie and let Cal have both those games? Uh, do you? And if you let Quick get one of the two games, which one do you give him? Do you give him the first game so he has the longest rest, or do you give him the first game off and then play him in the second game? Wh where do you stand on that? Well, I think that if they go, if he plays on Thursday and they go back and play on Monday, that would give him three days off. I would give him. The Thursday game because if they, if they start on Monday the second, that means you're giving them three days rest, which is fine. Um, that that's that's how I would look at it. He, he would play that game for me. That's okay. Would, yeah. By the way, it does appear that the Kings' first game is likely to be on May eighth. That has not been confirmed by anybody, but the first home game is May eighth, which is Mother's Day. So uh, get yeah. mom to an early brunch and uh, get those flowers. And uh, looks like Kings fans are going to need to be available potentially for that home game. On the eighth, I think the eighth and the tenth is what we're hearing. Nothing's ever confirmed, Dennis, until it is confirmed in the NHL, yeah, and really not even the NHL. Issues. The TV, the TV networks control everything. So, um, and we'll building see. issues, John. That's the other issue that there's a no, no building issues this year, Dennis, because the Lakers and Clippers are done. So no, uh, no, there is here. I'll give you the building issues. Oh, there's what, a game, what do you have? WHL playoff game. I think. On oh, you're third. talking up north. No, but here too, because Kevin Hart's in concert Friday and Saturday. Okay. 
That's why they couldn't. That's why they having challenge because I think they may, may they may do Monday Thursday and then Sunday Tuesday. Or Sunday Tuesday, like yeah, eighth and tenth, yeah, eighth and tenth, um, yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot to give you the reverse retro jersey news. So here, yeah, for those please, of you that yeah. are stuck all the way through to the end of the podcast, um, I didn't mean to over tease it. Like I had some breaking <laughs> news. I don't have the jersey yet, and if I did, I wouldn't be breaking it on Kings of the Podcast because right. breaking the jersey needs to be a visual component, not an audio component. Absolutely. Um, but there was some discussion early on of the potential of doing a white version of last year's reverse retro jersey. And from what I'm hearing, mm. that is not the direction that they're going as of right now. Okay. So nothing is ever solidified until it is solidified. But the NHL and Adidas, who really are taking the lead here. So if you don't like the jersey, you can't bang on the Kings front office. If you do like the jersey, you can't give them the praise either because really it comes from the Adidas artists and whatnot. But it doesn't appear that they're going with a white version of that purple version that they used last year. So intriguing little tidbit. And um, I'm sure we'll have more news over the summer, Dennis. There will be reverse retro 2.0 next year. We already broke that story a year ago. Yep. Seeing right. the playoffs, John. All right, TB. We'll say, hey, here's one for you. Are they going to wear the white jerseys with the chrome buckets in the playoffs? If you remember the current jersey, the shield jersey, that yeah. became like the jersey in the playoffs back right. in the early days. So are they going to go all in on the current third jersey and use that in the playoffs? I don't know. You're, you're the jersey honk. I, I don't know. That was... That's a tough question on the spot. All right, DB, have fun at the draft. Uh, we'll yeah. do a playoff preview podcast soon. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of Kings of the Podcast. We'll talk to all of you guys on Twitter. Have a great week, everybody. You